Welcome to Room for Growth. A Willow Tree podcast about growth marketing hosted by Billy Lowen and me, Billy Fisher. Whether you're an industry expert or just getting started, there's plenty of room to grow. Share this episode with your favorite coworker, follow us wherever you enjoy podcasts, and reach out if you'd like to join the show. You ready, Billy? I'm ready, Billy. Let's go. Let's f***ing grow. Hey, everybody. Thanks for coming to Room for Growth. Excited for our guest today. Before that, Billy, you know, we're going to be talking about loyalty programs today. And I don't know if there's a topic area that is more close to our hearts and one that can kind of uh, stir up more conflict between us. And I've got this hot take, if you don't mind. Can I get into my hot take just to kick us off? Hit me with your hot take. Yep. Hit it. All right, cool. So loyalty programs. And and we're going to talk about this with our guest. There's so many loyalty programs in the market. It's kind of at this point now where if a brand doesn't have a loyalty program, it's you, you wonder, are they just holding out forever? It just goes completely against what they offer. But there's certain experiences that I have with loyalty programs. So as you know, I'm a very passionate Delta Airlines, Delta Sky Miles, which I got to, I recently got to meet the head of Delta Sky Miles. And it was like this weird fanboy moment where I felt like I just, I had to keep it together. Can confirm Billy was fanboying at a conference, like yeah. in passing. <laughs> Hi. Yeah, it was, it was weird. I, was, I tried to keep it together, but I was probably a little bit weird. But the experience that I have with Delta that I don't see in any other industry is Delta uses its assets to really magnify a loyalty program. So sure, they have points and you get free tickets. But what they really do is create status. And that first time, you know, before I was a Delta Sky Club member, I, Sky Miles member, I never, ever had the experience of flying first class. And that first time that I was upgraded to first class and they say, you know, if you're a platinum medallion in our first class area, please board. And I felt like I had made it in life. And that moment of getting in a first class seat, getting free drinks, getting a really good meal that was, was better than I was expecting. I walked off and I said, I'm never flying another airline ever again. And it completely, when you talk about brand love, you know, loyalty programs drive frequency and segmentation, personalization opportunities. But I feel like so many programs are missing the brand love opportunity. And for example, if I'm a Texas Roadhouse, you know, let's take this to the restaurant industry. If I'm a member of the Texas Roadhouse loyalty program and I am a top tier loyalty member, I should never have to wait for a table. If I go in on a Friday night and there's an hour and a half wait, I should be seated right away. I'm not a member of the Texas. It's just an example of how I think brands could reward their top loyalty members. And I feel like so many brands are just missing this opportunity. How do you react to that? I think it's a good hot take. I think you're right. There are some loyalty programs that I am obsessed with. I talk about them all the time because they just kind of have this constant like give get relationship but also they're so consistent in how they roll out. And so there's some behavior choices where I don't even want to say which hotel brand I'm super loyal to because man, do I want to work with all in any hotel brands that I, I almost hesitate to say who I love, but I will never stay at a different brand of hotel than the one of my choice because I want those free nights. I want the late right. checkout. I want to your point, like that status really does have, I think, some meaning to it um, and yeah. is super important versus something like, you know, I'm also a Domino's pizza lover and they'll eventually give me a free pizza, but man, do I got to like buy some pizza before I get right. it back. And then even still, I just told you this, but like, I'm a huge Nike shoe enthusiast. I'm really loyal to Nike shoes. 
even in a world where there's all kinds of new running shoes and athletic wear you can choose from. But the Nike loyalty experience is basically nothing. Like it's so interesting that you can buy a $160 pair of shoes, a $200 pair of shoes, and it's great to get those shoes, but you're not going to feel that moment of satisfaction right. or importance right. to their brand. And maybe they don't need it. Maybe they're at a, at a point and, and they use their sneakers app, uh, which is kind of for high, highly exclusive sneakers. Maybe that's their loyalty experience. I, I'm not sure that's something we could dive into. Are there other examples that I'm missing that you've experienced in terms of loyalty interactions, particularly outside of travel and tourism, where they have these like incredible asset that they can upgrade and give away, where you've felt this uh, brand love kind of upgrade type of atmosphere? That's really interesting. So, you know, I'm obsessed with loyalty. I kind of declared 2021 the year of loyalty for me, where I spent yeah. so much time just breaking down into frameworks. What makes a good loyalty program? What are the components of it? Something that I don't think is a good component of a loyalty program, but is a really interesting example of loyalty, I think is Nordstrom. So Nordstrom isn't what I'd think of as sort of this top tier traditional loyalty program, but twice a year, they do this mega sale where they reward their credit card holders and give them early access to the items that they put on sale. And they do a huge amount of advertising around it. So it becomes this really buzzworthy event. I think that's one example of really providing some brand love where for folks who have that credit card have made a pretty big decision to be loyal to that brand, they do something that is fairly exceptional to that user base. So that's one example I can think of. Actually, I have to think. I'm now yeah. actively thinking. Yeah. I feel like it's a missed opportunity with brands. And I think maybe something we'll have to ask, you know, I, I work on the consulting agency side, so it's kind of easy for me to sit here and say, no, this is what you should do. But uh, all of these things have cost and operational implications. And maybe, maybe that's the barrier that I'm just not considering. But yeah, our guest today, we have two incredible guests that you've worked with very closely. And tell me a little bit of why you're so excited to have our guests from uh, CKE and uh, Carl's Jr. and Hardy's uh, come on today. Yeah. So for those who aren't familiar, CKE is the parent company of Carl's Jr. and Hardy's. So we're going to be speaking with Jason Seeley, who's the Senior Director of Digital and Loyalty at CKE. So he oversees a huge breadth of digital products for the brands. And then April Felver, who's the Director of Loyalty and CRM, she's just so well-versed in these loyalty programs. So first of all, they're veterans in the industry. They have launched loyalty programs before extremely successfully at other brands that I'll let them talk about. But when we started working with them at CKE, they came in so quickly and had a vision for where the loyalty program should go what the technology capabilities were going to need to be to launch a successful program, and just how to get there. So I think they attacked this problem at a speed and velocity that at Willow Tree we love. We always kind of like hang our hat on how quickly can we bring an idea to market, make it a really great product experience, and then start to test it. So I had a clear sense right away that we were working with our people. You know what I mean? And it's been a really yeah. fun journey. Um, they're going to talk about a campaign that we just helped them launch for one of their biggest partnerships of the year that involved really complicated M particle to braze to punch integrations where we we're ultimately assigning individual and personalized codes to unique users based on their purchase of a specific product and then rewarding them through a partnership with Fandango. And so not only did they have this big vision, launch it quickly at high velocity with best in class tech kind of at the core of it, but then immediately went in and said, hey, let's take a really fairly ambitious campaign idea for a new to market loyalty program and launch that right beside one of our biggest brand partnerships of the year. So I've loved awesome. their enthusiasm, have loved their bravery as they've stepped in 
uh, to working with Carl's Jr. and Hardee's. And I'm excited to talk to them more. And what do you've got? You, don't you have a burger that you're obsessed with from Carl's Jr.? Do I remember that right? Yes. So I spent a lot of time living on the West Coast. I love Carl's Jr. The double Western bacon cheeseburger, I think is like sort of truly exceptional. If you haven't had one, you're missing out. I think it's a little underrated. I think it's a little yeah. too low key. Um, but nice. man, the first More time you takes. have one, you're going to be like, yeah, there's a hot take for it. Double Western bacon cheeseburger for all you people living in the Midwest or in urban areas where you don't have Carl's Jr. Next time you're around one, I understand all the hype around those California burger brands, but I think Double Westerns pretty exceptional. And the college I went to, a small college, Ohio Northern University, only 3,000 people, and it's literally located in a village. There was no McDonald's. Hardee's was the only restaurant that was there. And I'm not going to give too much detail, but let's just say I only went to Hardee's after 10 p.m. And that's how it got me through college. So love both of these brands. Uh, tons of fun. And with that, let's get to our amazing guests, April and Jason. Jason and April, welcome to Room for Growth. We're so pumped to have you. I know I'm hungry already just kind of thinking about this conversation. Anytime I can talk about burgers in an afternoon podcast, sign me up. Thanks for coming. To get us started, we did a little bit of an intro ahead of time. But uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourselves, your role at CKE, looking over Hardee's and Carl's Jr., and maybe a little bit about your journey and how you, how you got there. So let's start with Jason to kick us off. And then, uh, yeah, Jason, tell us a little bit about you. Yeah, sure. Uh, thanks for having us. Um, appreciate it. My journey was uh, kind of a little strange. I started out as a graphic designer, uh, spent a lot of years uh, doing that work and uh, spent some time at Walmart where I did a lot of in-store merchandising and, and signage and, uh, and I had a really good time doing that, which kind of brought me into QSR as I left Walmart and went to Wendy's. I uh, spent 11 years there doing a lot of the same, but over time, the overlap of the concept of an in-store experience versus a digital experience kind of came together. And I was asked to kind of take the lead on recreating the experience that we created at the restaurant through digital. So I, I had been doing that for three or four years at Wendy's um, before coming over to CKE. And now I lead um, all digital for both Hardee's and Carl's Jr. from the app to loyalty to digital ordering to uh, anything else that the customer uh, interacts with from a digital standpoint that uh, they can place an order from. So kind of a lot of things, delivery, you name it, it's all kind of uh, sitting under me with uh, the amazing help from April leading the loyalty side of things. That's awesome. And April, tell us about yourself. Yeah, so my QSR career started in high school working at Dairy Queen, which I still love to this day and talk about frequently. I worked there all through high school and college. I ended there actually being a district supervisor for five stores. So on like the ops kind of side, but for some reason, like left and went to grad school, which who knows where I could have been today. But um, did go to the agency side for a while and worked with some both QSR and what they called experiential dining brands there before also going to Wendy's. Jason hired me there. So started right when they were kind of doing their transitional journey and developing their digital platforms and the app. And one of the things was they had tried loyalty a couple of times and was trying to decide if it was worth doing again. And that's what I spent most of my career at Wendy's doing was doing a lot of the research to figure out what type of program they could do, finding the vendor to actually build the program, and then actually launching it in the world. And it's actually going to celebrate its two-year 
anniversary in just a couple of weeks. So had the opportunity. Then once Jason left, he asked me to come join him at CKU, probably one of the biggest honors of my life. And we got to do it all again. So we just launched the My Rewards program for both Carl's Jr. and Hardee's about three months ago on March 23rd nationally after a short pilot uh, in a few markets for both brands. So thrilled to be here and have a really great tech stack here. So it's a lot of excitement to do a lot of things quickly. And that's what we love. And uh, so far, everything's been great. And so we have been working together. I've been working with both of you since you both started at CKE. And then the loyalty program, the conception of it started even before you arrived. Mm -hmm. Can you give us a high level sense of how long it was from when Carl's Jr. and Hardy started talking about really doubling down and investing in their loyalty program, the loyalty experience to it actually launching and then scaling? Yeah, I'll take that one. Credit uh, goes to uh, some of the folks that were kind of in place before I joined. Um, CK didn't really have a digital team, but they had a handful of folks, including Shalomorn, who's on the team, who was a part of the team a little bit before I joined, really kind of deciding, like, we, we need to implement some kind of digital team at, at CKE. I know that the tech stack had started about a year out uh, from me joining via our CIO, who uh, Phil Crawford, who was fairly new to the brand as well. And, and he, so he, his goal was to kind of make sure that we simplified our POS mm-hmm. and moved towards some technology that allowed us to then move into having digital support for our customers. So I'd say that the discussion probably started about two years before we launched. But the crazy side of that is we discussed, built, and launched our loyalty program in about eight or nine months. So a really fast turnaround from the time we had a kickoff meeting to say, here's what this program needs to look like to launching it in March of this year. So it was a super team effort across a, a lot of folks, both within our within CKE, but also with our agency partners to, to get this thing turned on so fast. I think April, when we launched the loyalty program at Wendy's, it was, I mean, at least two years of just development, let alone the research that, that went on along with it. So a pretty quick turn uh, to get something out there for our guests quickly. Yeah. And just really thanks to our IT team who, when they knew that they had to do POS standardization and some of that baseline stuff, really had a vision to know that even though they didn't know the details of what the program was going to look like, knew that was going to be an end goal and made sure that the work that they were doing would get us to that point. Are you comfortable sharing which technologies are in your stack whenever possible? We always love to give some credit to the tech that backs the capabilities that you need to launch this type of program. Is that something you're comfortable sharing, not comfortable sharing the brand names of? Yeah, I mean, I don't think there's a secret. I think we're probably published on all of their websites anyway as a client. Uh, (laughs) Punch is our our loyalty platform. Mm -hmm. They've been a a great partner and getting and helping us get stood up so quickly. And then we use I'm part of for our CDP and we use Braze as our email platform and Olo for our ordering. Mm-hmm. I think those are probably the key ones that we're using. All right. Now that we've made it through the easy questions, let me get into some of the hard-hitting ones. Oh Before we totally double down on the Hardee's Carl's Jr. loyalty experience, what are some of your favorite loyalty programs? Well, my favorite one that I get the most value out of is Ulta. I don't know how I accumulate so many points so often, but I get free stuff all the time and I love it. And I like Ulta. Sorry if Sephora is listening to this, but there's too many teenagers in your stores and they scare me. So I like the Ulta shopping experience and the rewards program is just like 10 out of 10. Love it. Yeah, I'd I'd say um, probably Southwest Airlines. 
what you can get through their program from the companion pass to your ability to earn points through booking hotels and other travel outside of just booking air travel. I've been fortunate enough to have a companion pass on and off over the last few years. And uh, for my wife and I to travel, it's pretty amazing that I can go to Hawaii and only pay for one ticket. <laughs> so it's been, you know, it's something that I think I've, I've become even more loyal to Southwest in the, in the last probably 12, 18 months, really making sure that when I book a hotel, I go through Southwest hotels. Uh, I'm not booking through anything else or direct because I get bonus points when I book that way. And my goal is to earn that companion pass every single year. So that's one that I've really come to love. It's awesome. So when you guys, you've done this a couple of times now where you're building a loyalty program from the ground up, do you every, you can kind of throw a stone to a QSR brand that has a loyalty program and um, it's kind of like a Peloton bike. Everybody's got one now. And how often are you just looking at QSR in your competitive landscape review versus how often do you look at like Southwest and, and Alta for inspiration when you're building this thing from the ground up? Yeah, I think it was really interesting. One of the most eye-opening moments for me was actually doing research for the program at Wendy's. We had kind of ideated tons of really, really unique ideas, loyalty programs and constructs that were not found anywhere today in any industry. And we kind of had this perception that this was going to be so amazing. Like, you know, we're such this unique brand. We're going to come to market. We're just going to blow everyone away. And during customer research, we actually found that they weren't super into that. They thought it was too complicated. It was very unfamiliar to them. And like the general message was like, you know, we think your brand is cool, but it's not cool enough for us to learn something new or invest a lot of time or energy in trying to figure all of this out. So that was like a little humbling. I'm not going to lie, but it's something we took to this program too. So Sometimes there's like criticism of like all these programs look the same, but that's really based on customer demand. It's value that they understand. And so it's what they want to participate in. But to your point of other programs, the way you can make it unique for your brand is to then do programming within it that will be valuable to your customers. And we definitely seek inspiration in other brands, other industries outside of QSR to try and bring kind of a unique perspective and unique benefits to our customers. I think like a really good example of that is we're still um, just wrapping up our promotion we did with Jurassic World Dominion. It was a great partnership. We were super excited. If you haven't seen our TV spots, it actually has dinosaurs that were done by the same artist that did the CGI in the movie, did the dinosaurs for our TV spots. And for our My Rewards members, if they bought one of our Primal Platform products, they got to receive a Fandango promo code to go see the movie. That was super cool. I mean, honestly, just from a technology perspective, this was about eight weeks after our program launched. It was the first campaign we've really done that have combined all of our tech platforms. So it was the user making a purchase and that coming from Punch and identifying them in Imparticle. And our Willow Tree team at Braze built the system that actually loaded in the codes to Braze and would assign it to a user. And then we could go see it later. So it was just really cool. It was really super exciting that we were able to do it so quickly. And that was something that only we could do. And that was really fun. And I think our members really enjoyed it. So did our franchisees because they didn't have to give away anything for free. It was this other benefit that they got that wasn't always just a discount in the restaurant. That's amazing. Yeah, that's super cool. And we like loved working on that campaign. Even internally, we talked about some of the tech that had to come together to make 
that campaign possible and if I'll yeah. learn from it. But it's a good point. Like I think when when you think about good loyalty, there's sort of two perspectives here. One, there's what makes a good loyalty program from the consumer's perspective and what makes a good loyalty program from the business perspective. Yeah. I mean, the table stakes of both are basically that you have to have like a really great product experience because you want to be able to see points in your tiers right away. You have to have a great channel experience because if you're not carrying loyalty through to like push email and app messaging, even paid advertising, you're going to miss the mark. You have to have a good in-store experience and you have to have good rewards. Mm -hmm. But what am I missing? What else makes for a great loyalty program? I mean, in general, what I always try to ground myself in is I feel like if the customers and the members find value in it, then they're going to deliver the value through the rest of the business. So, you know, especially in a franchise organization, sometimes things can be a really hard sell. Um, we actually do. I'm not going to say it yet. I don't actually know when this airs, but we have a really, really cool promotion that's coming out in celebration of National Friday for uh, Hardee's. So July 13th, mark your calendar. Sometimes it can be a hard sell, but I think if you can deliver that value to the customers, then they will be able to get the benefits. And that's what we always try to remind our franchisees, even if the program seems scary. Yeah, I would add the the other opportunity, which is harder to do than to say, but um, is how do you differentiate? You know, when we look at loyalty programs, at least in the QSR space, at the end of the day, they're all the same. They're really not as different as we sometimes like to tell ourselves <laughs> they are and that we're we're different from our competitors. So it's how do you take advantage of the program that you have to use it in a way that's different, whether it be what you offer the guest mm -hmm. um, or just, you know, the ways that you get your guests to engage. So I think that's where April and I are most excited about the program that we have. We're only three months in, so we have a ways to go. But mm -hmm. the things that we've discussed and thought about looking out to the future that we'll be able to do, you know, we're going to we're going to really focus on how do we just be different. So, you know, we're fortunate enough to work for a brand like Hardy's and Carl's Jr. that can get away with being different. Mm -hmm. And we're going to take full advantage of that opportunity. So I think as our, our program grows and evolves, you'll start to see, hopefully, us start to pull away a bit from looking like everybody else. Yeah. Tell us more about the, the current My Rewards program that you've launched. Are there pieces or portions that you're really jazzed up about and excited that are part of the program that's launched so far? Yeah, so the program uh, is typical structure. Users earn 10 stars for every dollar that they spend. Again, it's a structure that at least uh, our members really appreciate and understand the value of. We have three tiers of rewards. So as early as 150 stars, you can start redeeming that for free food. And then we also have 300 and 500 stars. So just depending on what you want to do. We have a lot of opportunities for bonus stars. So again, right now in celebration of our promotion with Jurassic World Dominion, <laughs> users can earn 150 bonus stars with every primal platform menu item they order. Uh, so we like to do that to kind of enhance our LTO items and also give them benefits to ordering in the app versus in the restaurant with some of those added benefits. So also we have mobile offers that are available to users. This is where some of our personalization efforts are going to start to come in based on what we know our users are ordering and what they enjoy the most. We want to make sure that the offers in their app reflect that so they can continue to choose us over our competitors. So two things. There are a lot of different ways to measure the success of a loyalty program. There are a ton of business outcomes you could potentially be focused on driving everything from average order value to frequency of conversion and how many times a consumer is coming to either a drive-through or placing a digital order. 
You could simply focus on digital adoption or things like decreasing cart abandonment and churn from a conversion process mm-hmm. um, or even categories of food. I know, especially for Carl's Jr. and Hardee's, things like breakfast can be really important versus lunch and dinner. What was most important from a business perspective in terms of what you measured and called success? Yeah, I would say right now, all of the above, right? I mean, I think at the end of the day, it's, it's all of the above. But I think in the immediate, as we're just kind of rolling out and activating, you know, we have a bit of a frequency opportunity. So, you know, our average guest does not, you know, come as often as they visit our competitors. And it's not because they don't visit QSR, it's they're just not choosing us. So our biggest opportunity right now is to get those that are engaged to come back more often. And we feel like, you know, what, what better way to do that than with a loyalty program where they benefit the more they visit, right? So I think that's probably the biggest metric that we're watching right now is outside of driving adoption and acquisition and getting users in, the goal is really to get them come back more often. That's the biggest thing uh, right now that we're focused on. But everything that you mentioned is important. We're monitoring all of it. Uh, you know, average check obviously is where it matters to our, our, our franchisees. And frequency just comes with that because if they come more often and we continue to kind of hold the above average check that we see, that's always greater than when a customer visits us traditionally. Uh, there's no reason why we shouldn't you know, bring as many people through the, the, the digital channel as possible. What about operationally? Were there anything that you did that, um, especially in a franchise organization, that's kind of that extra layer? You know, if you go to a home goods, any TJ Maxx type of uh, corporation, I guarantee you they're going to talk to you about the loyalty program when you check out. The same with Panera. I've had the same experience. Do you want to use your Panera card today? And that's easier said than done. Talk about another thing easier to talk about than to actually implement, especially in a franchise organization. Any tips or tricks that you have experienced operationally around this? Yeah, I mean, part of it too is like, we don't want the burden to be on our crew members. They work really hard and they deliver great experiences for our restaurants. And we don't want to make their jobs harder than it already is. Especially right now, we are not immune to some of the staffing issues that are happening across every industry in the country right now. So our goal is to make sure that the experience is really seamless, that it's super easy for the customer to place their order. They know exactly where they need to go in the restaurant to pick it up when they leave, and that we can actually kind of minimize some of that crew engagement. So then that way they can just pack the order because it's coming through automatically. They know that they can hand it off and then they can be on to the next thing. So we did try to do fun stuff for our crew just to get them excited. Obviously, there was training, so they knew the basics of the program. We reinforced some of our mobile ordering procedures so they knew how to find the orders in the point of sale. We did send them like little hype packages that were fun. It was just like a big box of like snacks and some reward swag. And that went up out to the entire system. So that was a fun way just to celebrate this milestone with them. But again, like in general, we want the loyalty program and my rewards and the app to pretty much be self-serve where that is kind of the restaurant where the user is transacting and they just happen to be going to a building to pick up the order. So we'll continue trying to make it that way. And so then that way our crew members aren't burned too much. So if loyalty programs generally have a bit of a best practice framework to them, they have some expectations from consumers. Talk to me about what makes a loyalty program really hard 
And when you talk about, you know, for Wendy's, it was a couple of years of research, Mm -hmm. but even for Hardy's Carl's Jr., it was a really fast turnaround at, you know, eight, nine months, almost a year. That's still a huge undertaking. Like, is it the Mm -hmm. tech? Is it the fulfillment piece? Is it how you get all these channels to work together? Is it just that it's hard to figure out the simplest way to tell people how to earn stars? What do you find most challenging? Yeah, I mean, I, I would wrap it around development for sure. Um, you know, I think going in, the benefit that, you know, we had as, you know, Hardy's and Carl's Jr. is the stage had been set, right? You know, all of our competitors at this point, with few exceptions, already had a loyalty program. So with the positive to that is our, we already know that our guests have an expectation. Mm-hmm. Um, so to make sure that we're delivering on that expectation at a minimum mattered. So, you know, the, the concept of earning whatever it is that you're earning, point stars, visits in exchange for something in return, right? Like that's the foundation of a loyalty program. So, you know, we knew that the, the program itself was conceptually the easy part, right? And we just had to determine how many stars, what do you get? You know, mm-hmm. that, that I think came together pretty fast. But when you think about the amount of tech stack integrations that are required to make this work, especially to do it right, right? So we could have turned on a loyalty program and know nothing about our guests, not being able to personalize, mm-hmm. um, you know, offers and messaging. We could have done that even faster, right? But to be to have a proper CDP in place to be able to properly segment our users, so we you know we get to know them better. So we you know we're not sending somebody a hamburger offer that never orders a hamburger, or someone that only comes for breakfast. We want them to come for lunch. We know that. So the most important and probably the most complicated piece for us was making sure that all, all that data flowed in a way that we could not only see it, but action against it through segmentation. So I think that's the most complicated piece for anyone. I, I don't think it's unique to us whatsoever. There's a lot of great platforms out there already that are quite customizable, but off, off the shelf that you can kind of turn these things on pretty quickly. But if you're not doing it in an integrated way across all the different platforms that you have, it's either going to be too hard or you're just not going to be able to take full advantage of the program that you've implemented. Are there any trends, uh, Jason or April, that you're keeping your eye on that you know aren't part of the initial rollout here? You know, Taco Bell has a subscription program that they rolled out, and and I'm starting to see that as a trend that I'm kind of watching. Are there any other things that are on on your kind of hot list in terms of uh, loyalty trends? Yeah, the subscription one has definitely been discussed. I mean, I think as we look at what Panera did with coffee, what you know others have done. I think Burger King tried a, a coffee subscription too, I believe, and and obviously what Taco Bell is doing. You know, it's it's definitely something that we could play in that space. Right. It's whether or not it matters to our guests if that's something that they're looking for. But I mean, I would say that we're constantly monitoring, and I, I think what's interesting. And April, feel free to add to this, but you know, for us, I think what is really important is that a loyalty program is more than just earning points and redeeming offers, right? That's mm-hmm. just the foundation of it. So how do we have fun in a way that wants the guest to choose, that the guest decides to choose us over somebody else? So if we look at, and I think some of our competitors that I don't necessarily love everything they do, but some of the stuff they've done well is Burger King did the Whopper Detour. That's something that stuck with me from the day they did it. Kind of a bold move to ask their customers to go to a competitor's parking lot to open their app in order to get an OWAPR for 59 cents. Like that is the kind of stuff that when you have the technology in place, it doesn't need to be that out there, but that's the stuff that's fun. And that's the stuff that we look forward to doing is, you know, we can do double points, we can do bonus points, we can do offers, we can change the reward. 
we will do that. And that's something that I think everybody is doing. It's the creativity around, you know, what do you do with a loyalty program beyond the foundation of it that we're really interested in. So watching what some of our competitors are doing in that space is where we get really excited and continuing to implement more technology that will give us location awareness and other functionality that allows us to do more is really where I know we're going to be spending our time. The rest is table stakes. So it's what else are you going to do with it that, that we're really focused on. Awesome. Yeah, I think the concept of like app exclusives is another one. So, you know, there was a whole trend and still ongoing KFC just released theirs with like the celebrity meals. You know, we've dabbled in it in terms of like price pointing items in our app. I think that is a space that will continue to grow. And again, is another way to deliver kind of some fun value for members that feels very exclusive to them. The one thing that I think is the opportunity in our space is everyone kind of advertises it as a app exclusive, and then you actually go to the restaurant and you can get it too. I think it will be a very bold move for the first brand who decides that no, it is legitimately an app exclusive and they really hold themselves to that, whatever it may be, and doesn't kind of let it tease over and really builds up their digital space. That's great. What do you think... I mean, to this point about it's not just about like earn points and burn points and chase the very next purchase. You're really trying to do things that A, differentiate your brand. And I know you just did a little bit of a brand, not refresh, but a smidge of a focus. I'm curious what you think is most valuable and powerful in terms of true brand loyalty. Like what does true brand loyalty even mean? And how do you build it through both your brand and through your experience? I mean, I think what matters to us and you know what loyalty will do for us is making us a consideration on their list of where do I want to go. You know, as I said before, you know, our, our we have a frequency problem and you know, guests love us. We get, you know, great uh, food quality scores. We don't get a lot of negative feedback on experience and things like that, but you know, there's a reason why they're not coming to us more often. So you know, that's where I think if we don't drive that frequency, then we haven't done our part. Um, so that's where I, I know I'm paying the most attention is to with users that we have. You know, we don't have previous data on our guests, so we don't know how often they were coming before. So it makes it a little bit tricky to know like, oh, we've got this guest that comes three times a month, but maybe they were coming three times a month before. <laughs> so it's really, if we think about it in my Walmart days, it was, uh, you know, one more item in the basket. You know, for us, it's one more visit, right? It's how to get them to come one more time. And if we can get them to come two or three or, or four more times, then that's even better. But that's what it comes down to for us is, you know, at least from my point of view, I'm sure April may have a similar or a different point of view, but that matters. And, you know, how do we do that in a way that's differentiating is going to be, I think, how we win, right? Because if we're giving earn X amount of points and get a free fry and we're doing the same thing and our you know five competitors are doing it as well, we're not giving a guest a reason to choose us over them because we're all offering the same things. Right. So that's where the value to the customer comes in is, is how do we make sure that our program is ideally more valuable in their minds than, than our competitors' programs. And but at the same time, as also has been discussed, while not discounting so steep that our franchisees are are, are <laughs> saying it's not worth the effort, right? So it's you know the value, lifetime value of the guests, uh, it, you know, matters amongst that as well. Right. So April and Jason, you guys get to do marketing for fast food, which, in my opinion, it's kind of hard to top. And <laughs> when you're talking about burgers and these are topics that people get really passionate about, and so you can go to a cookout and easily probably explain what you do compared to at least some people in other industries. But 
if you were in another position, you're like, I'm going to go work in a completely different industry if you had to. What industries kind of pique your interest or, or where do you think you'd want to give it a go? I'm just saying that you're pretty bold in thinking that I can explain what I do because my mom 100% thinks that I work in a restaurant. And so like she'll see a commercial for Hardee's. She lives in a Hardee's market. And she'll be like, oh, does your restaurant have this Jurassic thing that I saw? And I'm like, yeah, mom, my restaurant has that. It's going great. But anyway, I digress. Fair enough. Another industry. I don't know. I really do love QSR. I think I also love pets a lot. So that would be fun to work in something that had to do with pets or dogs specifically. I'm also really obsessed with Orange Theory Fitness. So, you know, maybe run their app one day. I don't know. But I love CKE. I love doing loyalty. So happy right here. What about you, Jason? You've gone from Walmart and to QSR. Is there another industry that always catches your eye or that you're super interested in? Yeah, I'm a fairly new electric vehicle owner. And I've become a little obsessed. So, you know, looking at brands like Electrify America, who are the non-Tesla charging network that's out there. There's ChargePoint, there's EVgo, there's a bunch of different ones out there. But the concept of being in, you know, what to me is the startup still in a lot of ways with brands like Rivian and Aptera and these, these strange yeah. car companies that are not former car companies. I find it fascinating. So definitely an area that I keep my eye on, especially they're all digital forward. Uh, you start your car with your app, you check your mileage with your... I mean, everything is digitally focused. So it would give me the ability to stay on the digital side, but you know, kind of get involved in a different industry. But like April, like I left Wendy's to come to CKE because I do enjoy the QSR space. Yeah. Don't blame you. It's awesome. I, I thought you would say either craft beer <laughs> or like Live Nation. I mean, those are fine options too. <laughs> those are the ones with all the perks. Beer industry, yeah. Yes. You know, the music industry, yeah, those are both definite options, but uh, not as tech forward as I think uh, the EV market is. I don't know if you knew that Electrify America and Orange Theory are both clients of ours. Yeah, oh, so really? You guys are at so we're also, we're also a yeah, Orange Theory is yeah. owned by Rourke, which is the same one that yeah. owns us, but... Yeah. Yeah. And then Electrify America. Is Sephora America's a like, client after I just dissed them? No, no but okay, that one's God. funny. We we can talk about Sephora versus Ulta all day. There's a few of these like loyalty brands that I love. One is like hotels, Hilton and Marriott. You could fight about Hilton versus Marriott and their loyalty program all day. But Sephora and Ulta, but I'm a big like, I'm a Sephora girl. I only shop uh-huh. at Sephora. So okay. I, I love I love this debate. It's my favorite. Okay. Um, okay. I have a question. New question. And then if you want to, we can go back and fight about who's the titan of industry truly uh, in these different spaces. But if you guys were going to launch this loyalty program over again or try again at another brand, what would you do differently? What surprised you this round, especially because you were already coming in with at least one under your belt? And both done very differently. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah, very different. This is like very niche, maybe not interesting, but I think for this program specifically, we underestimated the desire for our customers to engage in restaurant. Before I kind of talked about how, you know, we tried to take the burden off of like our register operators and everything like that, but there is a strong desire in our space to be able to earn and redeem by going through the drive through or going through walking into the restaurant because you're out running errands. And they aren't necessarily like making that digital transaction right away. So I think that's been a big kind of fast follow that we've been exploring is making sure that we can 
make it so the program is accessible to people who are coming in, you know, paying cash maybe and not starting their digital journey with us or their loyalty journey with us in the app and just still making sure that it's accessible and providing them value. Yeah, I mean, I think what's interesting for April and I is, you know, Wendy's with little exception, you know, is kind of a internal build, mm-hmm. built their own app. Uh, they did partner with yeah. a, a third party to help build their loyalty program, but it was not an off the shelf loyalty program. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they had to integrate and I still are dealing with integrations with a lot of you know, older platforms that are, were homegrown or, you know, so there's that side of it that I think April and I went through that looking back, certainly pros to that, right? Um, you have a lot more control over the product when you're building the product, mm-hmm. but a lot, a lot of challenges attached to trying to make it work with legacy systems that were never intended to be digital systems, right? Yeah. On the CKE side, I mean, you look at the tech stack that we've already talked through, you know, those are all tried and true solutions that all had kind of pre-existing integration. So it was kind of plug and play for the most part, right? And so, you know, one of the reasons why I moved on from Wendy's was, was because of the opportunity to do it all over again for another brand. And I was really excited about the idea of like, we're going to get off the shelf. It's already going to work. It's going to be great. We're going to be, and they, that has its own challenges. Like, you know, when you're buying off the shelf, you're limited to the functionality that exists. And when you want other functionality, it's sometimes harder to get done because now you're messing with, you know, base code that the brand you're working with is trying to replicate, right? And now you're getting a custom build and the whole new slew of problems that come with custom build. So as much as CKE moved quickly, I do think that it pays to be patient and make sure you have the functionality you want on day one because it's Mm -hmm. harder to get it later. So if there's something that you believe in our table stakes to making sure that you're creating the best experiences, don't let it be a phase two or three approach included in phase one, even if that means you're going to launch three months later, because it's much harder to add those things after the fact. Awesome. That's great advice. I don't know if your podcast has merch, but you should get shirts that say it pays to be patient. That's like, yeah, I like that. Top tier, top tier <laughs> soundbite right there. <laughs> Love it. Well, when we'll attribute it to Jason along the way, <laughs> Jason and April, um, as we wrap up our time together, so grateful for uh, your time. And you guys are obviously a power team doing a lot of great stuff and loyalty. And we've covered kind of from, the whole entire journey, but completely random and completely off topic. Let you know we're heading into a holiday weekend. People are going to be chilling at home. If the weather's not nice, what are you guys watching, reading, listening to? Oh. Just like what's one thing you're like? I just saw this great thing, and you got to go out and, and check it out. You guys got one. I mean, Stranger Things comes back tomorrow. I mean, who's not going to be sitting on their couch all weekend finishing the last couple episodes of Stranger Things? I think it's like four hours long. But I'll be doing that for sure. Okay. <laughs> but I'm also watching Under the Banner of Heaven, which is pretty fascinating considering it's based on true events. Uh, it's hard to believe that that's actually their true events. But watching that. What network's that on? Under the Banner of Heaven is on Hulu, I believe. Okay. Or if you need a beach read, or originally a John Krakauer book, so you can read it, or now you can right. watch it. Correct. Correct. Okay. That's a good one. But yeah, I mean, I I know I'm going to be, whether good or not, I'll be making sure I finish up Stranger Things this weekend. Gutsy band. I can't handle that. I get, I get too scared. I'm a, I'm a chicken. (laughs) April, what about you? This last season was dark. (laughs) That's what I've heard. Well, on the lighter side, I've been really into cults lately. So (laughs) a book recommendation, and actually I should look up the author to credit to her, but it's called Cultish. 
And it is super interesting. It's just about kind of how they come to be the qualities of cult leaders that are the same, regardless of if it's like a religious cult or a fitness cult or whatever it may be. Um, a brand just how cult. We've, a brand cult. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, and just how the language kind of trickles into daily life as well. So that's good. And then to stay on the theme, I've, keep recommending the documentary Keep Sweet on Netflix. It is a five-part series. You can absolutely watch it in a rainy afternoon. Just wild times, wild times. Okay. Yeah, just finish that one. Cultish is by Amanda Montel. Yes, 10 out of 10, recommend. And then, man, yeah, if you want to have a real bummer of an afternoon, what a great series. So well done, so well researched, but such a bummer. Yeah, such a bummer. It's a vibe, it's a vibe. There's a lot of there's a lot of good out there right now. Oh yeah, a lot of plenty. Uh, a lot of good things. To watch. Rainy afternoons uh, no um, come filled filled with with good stuff. So again, thank you so much. I know um, our uh, listeners that are in the QSR industry or in the broad marketing industry, uh, a lot of good nuggets in there, um, and we appreciate you guys sharing your story and and thanks for giving us your time today. Yeah, thanks for having us. Absolutely, thanks for having us.